0: Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, onto the show. Today's guest has one of the most incredible startup founder stories you'll ever hear. His name is Xing Chao, and he is the founder of La La Move, formerly known as EasyVan, which is one of the most prominent logistics platforms in the world. Widely known as the Uber for logistics, Xing's Hong Kong-based tech company puts tens of thousands of delivery vans, lorries, motorcycles, and trucks on its platform for on-demand deliveries that match users and drivers across Asia. Lala Move currently operates in Hong Kong, Singapore, and Bangkok, as well as 50 cities in mainland China, which is estimated to be a $1.7 trillion market for logistics. The company recently closed a 30 million dollars dollar Series B round, and is well on track to becoming Hong Kong's very first unicorn. But what I think you'll really appreciate is hearing Xing's personal story, which is how he quit his prestigious job being a strategy consultant at Bain, one of the top consulting firms in the world, to pursue professional poker. He used his poker winnings after seven years to then fund his startup, which became EasyVan and now Lala Move. Very incredible story. Shing also provides a lot of insights and advice for anyone trying to enter the tech startup scene. So let's jump right into the show. I think you guys are going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Hi, Shane. How are you? Thank you so much for being a guest on The Jay Kim Show. We're very excited to have you here. For our audience listening in, can you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do for a living? Sure. Uh, My name is Shane and I am the founder
1: and CEO of LalaMove. So what LalaMove does is essentially get anything delivered inside a city uh, within an hour using an app. So that's what we do for a living. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay it's basically like a i've heard it called being called like the uber for logistics or uber for hong kong uh delivery um so exactly so it, that's how we pitch it to our investors
1: sometimes right. so it makes it easier because it's relevant to something that it's really big uber so right. we are kind of the uber for intercity delivery i, I see but we are also kind of the uh, fastest fastest delivery delivery company in the world our average delivery time is 46 minutes. Oh, wow. So that's a lot faster than any company uh, on the planet right now.
0: Fantastic. So why don't we take a step back? And because I think a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs would love to hear sort of how your entrepreneurial journey and how you became successful and started your company so maybe we can start there and then we can uh dig into a little bit further on on the the specifics of your company but i would love to hear uh, your personal story if if uh, you might if you don't mind sharing not at all uh so i uh,
1: graduated from stanford uh, in 1999 so that's right before the internet bubble of 2000 mm. and at that time i wasn't into internet i wasn't aware that uh, internet is this big wave that is going to change, not, no, not only our daily life, but a lot of the other industries. So I, uh, after graduation, I came back to Hong Kong, went to consulting for about three years. So in 2002, I got bored and so decided to, because I, I was, consulting is a fund industry. If you're really into giving advice to big corporations, but I kind of want to make my own course. Right. So, do you play poker?
0: I do uh, I don't really. I know how to play, <laughs> but um, but my wife actually is a, a big poker player, so uh, she would actually right. appreciate your story. <laughs> so we start, I basically started as a hobby,
1: but then uh, I believe at that time that I can actually turn it into other thing. So I quit my job at Bain and uh, started to play poker professionally for seven years and uh, made so during that seven years I basically made enough money to be financial independent uh, but it was a pretty uh, long journey because in the first four years I was wasn't actually very successful I was barely breaking even so it's kind of after four years there's this like 10,000 hours of practice right so after four years right. You accumulated kind of enough practices on the on the game, so that's when it took off. So from barely breaking even to making a million dollars a month, that's kind of where the point come after four years. So and anyway, so after wow. seven years, I I made enough money to be financially independent. But uh, poker in the end is a zero sum game. So if you have to win, someone and someone else has to lose. this. It actually is a negative sum because The casino the house has to take a cut so i don't want to spend my life essentially on something that is just zero sum so i wanted to do something that's create value and so in 2009 i quit uh, poker and started to uh find a project that i can kind of dedicate my my rest of the life (laughs) and i searched it for about four years and essentially at the end of the day, find this particular segment that I believe will, will be uh, a golden area for me to to explore. And that's how in two thousand and thirteen, October, I decided to start Lala
0: Okay, so this is this is fascinating because uh, you know, you, you graduated from one of the top universities in the world that is well known, and you were working for one of the best most uh, prestigious elite companies in the world bane and uh, when did you pick up poker like how did you learn about poker uh, were you casually playing as you know from a young age and then you just decided you know what was that thought process like because i think that uh you know a lot of Smart people, you're obviously smart. I feel like a lot of gamers. They they always have this dream, like, oh, I can I can do this for a living. You know, I've I have a lot of close friends that love to play blackjack, and they think that they can do it for a living, but they can't.
1: <laughs> so yeah.
0: so, how did you learn how to play poker? And then how how was that whole transition process where you were confident enough that you could make a living off of off of gaming?
1: Actually, anything that you do as a hobby, if you want to make it as a living, that's hard. That's very hard. Usually, very hard. Mm. <laughs> For example, from soccer and right. sports, that uh, you can do it as a hobby, but you want to turn if you want to turn it into living, that's uh, very hard. And actually, if you ask me, I there wasn't a lot of the thought process. It was just uh, kind of a uh, an instinct or something that I'm passionate about. So at that time, I was just playing poker nights and dates So I decided this is something i really want to get good at and this is something that i really like to do so that's how i went to it as i look back right so you, sometimes you look back and then you kind of figure out why you try to or how that had become uh, successful mm-hmm. and i kind of bow it down to uh, <laughs> uh app so ability prospect and passion mm-hmm. so if you want to create a success out of something that you do you have to basically have the ability to do it. Well, that thing has to has prospect. And not only you have to have the ability, but you also have to like to do it. You're passionate about it. So for example, um, a consulting prospect consulting is obviously something that's pretty, that has promising prospect. Right. And I, I believe I actually have the ability to do it well, but just not something that I wake up five, a.m. in the morning. I just want to jump into so. <laughs> for me, Poker was that something that I want to wake up sing- every single day, not even brushing my teeth and just went right into it. So oh, for me, that was kind of very passion driven, but it uh, turns out to have something that has prospect and turns out something that I have ability in. So, But the other two was just kind of luck, <laughs> just dumb luck. So I was just driven by passion at that time. I I was young, so I didn't know what what's the framework to think about major decisions like this.
0: Right and and obviously you you knew that if you had to you probably could go back and get another job whether it be Bain or another consulting gig or or somewhere else in in uh, traditional uh, industry, and that's true. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, I was thinking uh, after
1: four years I don't know whether I can actually get another job. Four <laughs> years of actually not doing anything but gambling. Know whether someone would hire me?
0: <laughs> true, true. Uh, that's a that's that would be a, a challenging interview uh, explanation. Yeah,
1: that, that was a tough point. Uh, I, I mentioned the first four years, I was I wasn't actually making money. Hmm. So, but interestingly I never thought of giving up. So, I was just imagining after four years, at that point, if I had given up and I had to look for a job, would anybody hire me? And that. I think would be a challenge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was the discussion or conversation with your family, your support network, your friends, you know, that sort of thing? How did, how did that conversation go when you... So I hide it from my family, my parents, <laughs> because I know they won't
1: support it. And right. basically they will be sad to hear that kind of, that this is the choices I, I made. Sure. So I hide it until I quit and uh so with my friends they are all they think it's cool so <laughs> that was easy <laughs> so don't don't have to hire anything for my friends but my my parents i, I know very traditional right so right. they have a kid that's doing well in school went to college was <laughs> working in a decent job and so they want to give up everything to do to do gambling so that's very hard to sure. explain it to them so I decided not to explain. <laughs> yep. And that's, uh, you can call it a white lie. I think it's a lot better than, uh, and then obviously I, I come clean after I quit. And, and once I learned that uh, you can actually make a living out of that and quite success, and I have actually become quite successful at it. And I think they, they can accept it, but not when it's under so much uncertainty, right? So I mentioned four years without when I was still struggling. So imagine I have to. I know, explain it to, to them during that during that four year struggling years that would be uh not a very happy situation
0: i can't imagine that i mean it's always yes you're you're right it's always better to ask for forgiveness than for permission especially from conservative parents <laughs> but um yeah, four years of, of grinding it. That's that's impressive. Um, okay, so after you said seven years, first four years was a grind. The next three years, you were quite successful. You made a lot of money. And then you realized that it, maybe you you weren't uh, fulfilling a big picture uh, desire or need in, in the world, right? So you decided to search for uh, a company to start. Uh, what was that? process like you know at that point after seven years you said okay i'm done with poker i want to do something else how did you identify i guess easy van which is what it was known before lala move right
1: yeah so i actually just went about looking for different
0: industries
1: and uh for example i was actually into investing Mm -hmm. so i was uh looking through different list of company to see if there's any inspirations from anywhere and I actually started some companies. I, I started beauty clinic in Hong Kong. Okay. And sure. I started some retail shops selling organic stuff in Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. I was just not only uh, looking, but I was also starting. And then in late 2013, I uh, I heard about Uber. So it's this uh, amazing company that is growing tremendously in the states, and I look into it. And now. And I at that point, my my first instinct was actually doing something similar in Asia. But then I turns out that there are many other people are already doing that. Right. So I was I was asking. So that's a very good idea. Obviously, using mobile internet to connect uh, demand demand and supply. Right. Mm-hmm. So one is the rider, one is the passengers. Can I apply that similar concept to elsewhere? And it turns out that in Hong Kong, that was already a business model that connects uh, the uh, shipper and the van driver right. so we call it a call center but instead of using data to do the matching they use a voice so if you were to get a van in hong kong in the past you would call a call center mm-hmm. and the call center will actually shout into radio to get your driver and the driver uh, after getting the information from voice from the cs center would actually call you up and and pick up your goods so that's how it was done for almost 20, 30 years in Hong Kong, so that was a proven business model: right. sharing events for interested delivery. We just take that model and make it digital, and we are actually not the first one to do actually make it make make it digital. There was already someone else, actually two other companies from Hong Kong doing that. So it was kind of an easy decision that this is something I think would work, and it's just a matter of not only taking this model and making it digital, but actually replicating. That elsewhere uh, in Southeast Asia and also in mainland China.
0: Right. So one of the things that you've s- spoken about in the past, and and, and David, our, our mutual friend, has also talked about when he looks to invest in companies, is is this idea of Hong Kong founders. And you're quite international. I mean, you're educated abroad, so you have a larger global perspective. But a lot of Hong Kong founders, the challenge is that they are too closed minded with, with expansion, right? And so they think, I mean, it's obviously it's important to dominate your home market first, but a lot of them stop there. And uh, and from an investor standpoint, you know, it's if it's not scalable beyond one city and Hong Kong being one of the harder cities to, to, to start a company just due to the high fixed overhead costs associated, um, you know, it's not that attractive. So at what point did you realize that, you know, there was proof of concept that this business model would be scalable within the region
1: actually from the very start i knew i want to make this at least a regional or global or, or at least very very at the minimum a regional uh, company mm. because i believed in mobile internet world there is no city state internet company so you have to scale it beyond a single city to be successful and for that particular reason, Hong Kong is actually a particular bad place to start a company in a way because mm. Hong Kong market is unique. And when you're unique, that means whatever works in Hong Kong might not work elsewhere. Right. So that's bad because if you start something from, let's say, San Francisco, you can replicate that into New York you know, because you have a very homogeneous market. Right. Same thing in mainland China, something that works in Shenzhen or Beijing will work in Wuhan or Chongqing. Mm. So you have a lot a much, much bigger domestic market. And that's why, if you look at the top internet companies in the world, they are all coming from either China or the States. And so I knew that if I want to build a kind of a great internet company, I have to absolutely look beyond Hong Kong right. to do that. So even within, I think within uh, seven months, we started in Singapore, and within a year, we are already in, in China. And right now, we are actually in 70. Seventy six cities already.
0: Seventy six cities within the region.
1: Yes, yes. In in three and a half years. So we, I knew from day one that I need to do it regionally at a minimum, if not
0: globally. That's incredible. So as someone, I mean, you had basically no background in logistics, right? Yeah,
1: I have no background in logistics. I have no background in management, or I have no background in tech. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so this is it this is awesome as well because I think it's inspirational. Whenever I meet and I speak to founders that basically are non-technical founders or or choose to tackle an industry that might be very difficult or technical or complicated that they have no background in or no connections in and it just makes their story all all the more impressive and inspirational. What would you say were the in the very the hardest challenges at the very beginning when you had this idea you knew it, would, it could be something big, but you're sitting there and you're like, okay, Shing, I have this great idea. You're saying to yourself, how do I execute? Where do I, where do I even begin?
1: Uh, the first step is hire the right people since I don't code. I, I knew that I have to get an app on the App Store. So just hire someone that can make it happen. Mm. So in the uh, so in first week, we actually put together the tech team. So I just interviewed tons of people using Headhunters Mm-hmm. and essentially i just asked them a few questions like actually uh, two questions uh, i showed them a competitive app. can can you do that can you can you write that this app and second is can you can you finish this app in 4 weeks so in right. a month third is can you start tomorrow <laughs> so if they say yes then i just hire them wow. so that's essentially what we did and i think that's uh, the a bias to action is very important in the very beginning so a lot mm-hmm. of people think you know, I have this idea, I have that idea. But when you ask them to put into the action, they never do it, right? Just a lot of people, they have a lot of theory on how to get fit. They might even know getting, you know, eating the right stuff and exercising is the right thing to do. But they're just people, most people actually never take actions. Right. So I think we have this bias. Actually, I have a co-founder, Matthew, started this with me. Mm. So, yeah. You know, both of us have a lot of bias to action so sometimes obviously we we make some dumb mistakes but that's <laughs> that's a lot better than not doing anything and sitting there and waiting for a perfect solution
0: that's right um so w- what tell us a story about uh easy van like the the name and then at some point you you changed or you you relabeled it as lala move right
1: yeah, Easy Van. Uh, we started in Hong Kong. We focused on band. so mm-hmm. we were trying to come up with a name that is easy to remember. So Easy Van was easy <laughs> to remember. That's how it got started. And later we expanded out of Hong Kong and in a lot of cities in South Asia. Our main vehicle that we went into the market was motorcycle. So Easy Van uh, wasn't an appropriate name. Right. So we we're trying to come up with a new name and. We want something that is easy to remember uh, because a lot of uh, our uh, new users are actually coming from referral. And if someone has to refer you, they have to refer by name, right? And right. that name has to be easy to remember. And I, we think Lala Move is something that, if you come across this, it's pretty hard to uh, forget. So that's how. And it also uh, rhymes uh, with our uh, Chinese name, which is Hua la Lala. So uh. that, that's how it came
0: about. So it was also very strategic. Yeah, Naming it is very important
1: because if, uh, uh, as I mentioned, 50% of our users are actually coming from referral mm. and sometimes it's just not online. A lot of times referral happens offline. So if you want to recommend a software, recommend an app, recommend uh, a brand, if you don't remember, it's pretty hard to, remember to recommend it. Right. So naming it is important.
0: Very important. So you started off the company Bootstrapped. It was just all your own poker winnings, I guess. And yes. And at what point did you decide that you needed uh, external funding?
1: Actually, I was pretty naive when I started. Uh, obviously, uh, just like everybody else, uh, I thought it was just an app. How hard, it, how hard could it be? Right. right. So to this day, even uh, people ask me how many people I have. I say I have seven to 800 people now working in the company. Wow. They would say, well, why do you need so many people? It's an app, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously I was that naive too. I thought internet company was easy, just right. an app. So you just need a few guys, right? And I actually didn't know that I would be needing a lot of capital. So I thought uh, 2 million Hong Kong dollar was enough. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, what I put in. I thought 2 million was all I need if I, use up two million and I was still a failure, then the, just quite quite a day. Right. And then uh, a few months into the adventures, I, I knew that I needed need a lot more than that and I put in $10 million, uh, Hong Kong dollars. Mm-hmm. And then I realized later on that uh, Hong, 10 million Hong Kong is not enough, well, I need 10 million US dollars. <laughs> and that's when I started to, to go out and fundraising. And now obviously I, I knew that 10 million Hong, US is not enough, I need 100 million US. And that's how I go again and and, and raise fun, so I think one of the key <laughs> traits of being an entrepreneur is mm-hmm. conti- continually updating your uh, the, uh, the, uh, the your sense of the world so sometimes uh, there are things that you think is the case but it's actually not the case and you have to realize that quickly and make adjustment for example funding wise i I was pretty naive I was pretty naive in terms of uh, building a decent tech team to to actually make the company work so a lot of times things i don't know and you have to uh, you have to learn it quickly so that you, talk, you turn some of the unknowns into nodes
0: hmm. that's good advice i think that it's, it's it's always a challenge i mean entrepreneurs or startup founders they're they're always faced with um there's a lot of ego sometimes that you have to battle with yourself because as a founder of a company, there's a certain level of expectation, especially when you go in front of investors, that you have to know your entire market and your business model and everything down to a T. But a lot of times that's not the case, you know, especially for for founders that enter an industry or a segment that they don't have any experience prior to, um, then they need to reach out and partner with the right types of investors. Uh, to actually yeah. take them to the next level right yeah, yeah right so so let's talk about how you guys are looking with your regional expansion uh you mentioned you were in 76 cities is that right yeah 76 so where where is your largest market currently
1: right now our largest market uh in china it is shenzhen Guangzhou, okay. yeah. and then in Southeast asia is bangkok
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. And what what sort of expansion plans do you have for 2017 as far as uh, extending that reach? Uh,
1: we are going to make it at least 100 cities in the region. So that's our plan.
0: Any specific cities uh, that you are targeting aggressively for this year?
1: Uh, the new cities we open office, for example, in, in China, we are already in the major cities, right? So these are the, uh, the top tier cities. Is where we're going to put a lot more resources into but believe our model would actually work in a lot of the uh, second third or even fourth tier city so we set actually we set 100 cities in china so including Southeast asia which is going to be 10 at least 10 more so it's going to be by the end of the year it's going to be 110 cities so we believe our model will actually work in cities with about four million populations in china that even the hundredth Most populated uh, city has 4 million populations. So that's how we set it at 100. And in Southeast Asia, we haven't been to Malaysia, we haven't been to Indonesia, and then we haven't been to Vietnam. So these are the cities that we will likely be in by the end of the
0: year as well lots of opportunity and what was your experience specifically expanding into china because this is a you know this is a challenge for for many i mean even the likes of of uber the great giant uber that went in to china tried to steamroll their way through and essentially failed because they either didn't have the right partner or they didn't really understand the market before they tried to enter it so what was your experience with china expansion
1: so uh, i think one thing is determination uh we <laughs> actually chopped the company in half and one team focusing on Southeast asia and one team focusing on china so we are a separate product we are a separate uh, tech team we are separate hr finance uh, marketing ops etc in china so we built a separate team just for china when we went into china so that's the determinations and all some some of us actually come from uh, Hong Kong and went to live in China. Mm. And I think that's uh, the determination that makes a difference. And when you... Uh, China is a big market, right? You can't go into that market half, half-heartedly. Mm. And that's our approach. So we, we chop the company in half and make sure that we have dedicated resources for
0: the biggest market. That, that That's always the challenge, is, is it seems, to on how to figure out China. And, and a lot of people... Really need to rely on good local partners or, or investors that will help guide them, navigate through those those um, through China. I
1: think one thing is mental, right? So if you don't believe you can do it, likely you will not be successful in doing it. Mm. Uh, day one, we are pretty committed. We say either we make it or we die. And so all of us move to China and just <laughs> just be very determined in, in making it happen
0: and you are doing a very good job there uh Sheng. so that's awesome so far so good but
1: uh, it's it's never end so <laughs> so uh, i think we are having decent years so far but uh, internet things can turn so quickly that uh you could be gone if you make a major
0: stick. <laughs> this is true very true so you guys just did a, a pretty big series b round right um yes and c- so congratulations on that and uh yeah. i think one question that many listeners will probably be looking for an answer for is you know what is the future funding looking like for lala move will lala move be hong kong's first unicorn valuation company
1: we are trying to be first one. Uh, if not the first one, maybe one of them. Mm-hmm. And we believe we have the right team and we are in the right market to ha- make it happen. And our goal is to do it within a year or two. So I think huh, that's our target. And whether we can accomplish it, I think it, it boils down to us executing. So.
0: Pretty optimistic. Yes, I I am too, and I'm very excited to. I'm looking forward to watching your your success, and and I'm rooting for you because uh, I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of of Hong Kong founders that are successful, and I think it'll be very good for our city and and for the ecosystem. So, Shing, thank you so much for for your time today. I just have a couple more questions to ask you, and you know, I mean, you you've obviously have a very very unique uh story and and um and and have experienced a lot of success thus far and and we wish you the best of success in the future if there's a if there's one piece of advice that you could give to aspiring startup founder uh maybe here in hong kong that that wants to get into wants to build a business a a company from the start um given your experience on on how you uh navigated those early days what what piece of advice would you give
1: I think it is biased having about have a extremely high bias for action Mm. or just don't think too much and in in the beginning it's a lot of trial and error for example when we build a team we don't necessarily get the top quality people to join us but we need to get the product out there so you can't really sit there and wait for the perfect candidate to come along and so we just do whatever we can to get the results we want and our result at that time was getting the app onto Play Store. And we, in, the end, in the end, it took us about eight weeks to get there, but uh, slightly below my target of four weeks, but we, we still get there. So have a, have a bias for action. I think that's important. A lot of people just sit there, think too much, and that's that's not a style. And second is uh, really think through if you want to take on this journey because Sashi. <laughs> quite hard, and most of the time you're guaranteed to fail. Uh, You look across, right, a lot of people, the the success is actually the exception, and a lot of times it depends on luck, I believe. We have quite a bit of luck. Uh, Our first funding was quite easy, but the second and third funding, if we didn't get it, it, we would have been dead. And it was just, I believe, by luck that, uh, for example, my works really believe in that, so they put in the money when nobody else did. And AdWorks, uh, another VC from from Taiwan, they also mm. believe in us when nobody did. So we were twice, kind of two months away from bankruptcy, and wow. we got saved. We got saved just by luck. So imagine you put in all the work, but then at the end of the day, you got nothing. Is is that something that you're willing willing to accept? If you are willing to do something because it's going to be successful, then uh, I, as she advised you, no. Know, <laughs> not jump into building an internet company building a, a traditional business is okay for example mm. if you want to open a clinic open the restaurants that's what i call business a right. very open uh, business model and if you let's say open the restaurant is the 10th, 10th best restaurant in the city you will survive right right but in internet it's actually a tournament structure it's the Olympic structure. I call it the Olympics for business. <laughs> it's, it's only the first one that ca- that anybody would care. And it's the first one that actually would uh, take the most pay off. So everybody remember who boat is, but nobody remembers who runs second. Right. And I think that's the same thing in the internet. So it's a lot more brutal. So <laughs> make sure that you're ready for the journey if you want to do it. And I, I believe actually most people aren't
0: yeah i, I think you're right it's like a, it's like a high stakes poker game shing <laughs> true high stake poker tournament game yeah that's right that's right shing where's the best place that people can find you follow you or connect with you uh on social media or, or your website if they want to learn a little bit more about shing or uh, Lala Move?
1: we have Move facebook i don't have a i have a obviously uh, facebook page but uh I actually don't spend a lot of time on social media. Maybe I should. What's <laughs> the we'll, we'll usually best way for people to broadcast about uh, themselves? Uh, yeah. Twitter or Facebook? or What What, what would be your suggestion?
0: Well, I, I'm not a social media expert by any means. Stretch of the imagination. But I'm sure your investors are just fine and happy with you focusing on the company and growing it. So. <laughs> I'm sure you can find someone else to deal with your marketing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually want Lala Move to be high profile, but I want myself to be low profile. So Lala Move should be a lot more famous than I am.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right, Ching. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it, and I think our listeners are going to really enjoy this uh, this interview. So uh, we appreciate all the words of wisdom and for sharing your uh, your personal story with us as well. So thank you, Jay. All right. Take care now. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The Jay Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week.